Hey there, and welcome to episode one of the Beneath the Stats podcast. I'm your host, Robbie McKittrick, and joining alongside me today is current professional basketball player, Nate Musters. Nate, thanks so much for being here. Yeah, no worries, Robbie. Uh, Good to talk to you again. It's been a little while. Now, before I get into some of the questions I have for you, let me just give a quick description of your background, just so everyone knows. So Nate is originally from Sydney, Australia. Um, However, he went to college in the U.S. at a small school named Lafayette College, which is in eastern Pennsylvania. Uh, For those who don't know, Lafayette is a liberal arts school in the Patriot League, and it it is Division I basketball. In his junior year, Lafayette won the Patriot League tournament and played against Villanova in the, in the March Madness tournament. After graduating Lafayette, Nate went to business school for a year in Dublin, Ireland, and he also played basketball there. And then after business school, Nate played in a league in Australia for a few months before signing a contract in August with the Dutch Basketball League in the Netherlands, where he is right now. So you've clearly been a very busy guy, Nate. But before we kind of get into all of that, let's just start off with, with how's the season going for you? Yeah, it's going pretty well. I mean, uh, like any uh, league, I think you have to make adjustments. And I feel like it was a little bit different uh, moving from uh, America to Ireland, uh, back to Australia, and then uh, over to the Netherlands. I feel like everywhere um, the officiating is a little bit different, so you kind of have to adjust to that. But yeah, it's been really good. I'm enjoying being here. So yeah, it's been amazing. So I, I want to talk about that a little bit later on, but as long as you're talking about the differences, um, what have you noticed? I guess the officiating is one thing, but overall, um, how has the level of play been from the U.S. to Australia to Ireland to the Netherlands? Um, how how has that been? Kind of changing and playing all over all over with di- four different countries. Yeah, it's been really good. I mean. Um, obviously it kind of depends, uh, like the teams that you're comparing in each league. Cause I feel like, um, some leagues are very, uh, different from the top to the bottom. I think that this, this league that I'm playing in is kind of like that, like, uh, the top couple of teams, top, maybe three or four teams in the league, uh, playing in like, uh, European championships and stuff like that and traveling, uh, a lot for their competitions. And then, um, they, they, they're generally like a little step above, um, the other teams in the competition. Uh, I'd say the, t- the league that I played in Australia was very close, uh, from top to bottom. You never really knew, uh, what you were going to get on any given night. So that was obviously a little bit different. And then, uh, college was, was different again, you know, uh, it kind of depends. Like some nights you might come out and you're playing against a D2 or D3 school and, and they kind of, uh, those, those games, those games can be very dangerous, obviously, because they kind of had nothing really to lose. And then there's some nights where we're coming out against and we're playing against someone like Villanova where um, we're kind of the underdog and we don't really have anything to lose. And it's kind of a dangerous game for them. So, um, yeah, I mean, it's it's enjoyable realistically uh, no matter where I go because I really enjoy uh, playing basketball. And I'm just uh, really thankful that it's enabled me to travel around the world and experience all these different things. So, yeah. All right. Well, it's great you've been able to to play in four different countries. I mean, it seems like you're living the dream, especially for somebody just graduated college. Um, but let's just take it back to the beginning um, when you were in Sydney. Uh, so, were you always in Sydney, Australia, or were you in other other parts growing up? Um, I was originally born in Melbourne. Uh, I was born in East Keilor, uh, in and I, but but I moved to Sydney when I was about five years old uh, because of my dad's work. So, I mean, I have some pretty fond memories of of Melbourne from when I was really younger, but um, not as many as I have in Sydney, I would definitely say I'm more of like a, a person from Sydney than I'm a Melbourneian. But um yeah, I mean Melbourne is my is my hometown hometown, but Sydney's kind of where I grew up. So yeah. 
And how did you begin playing basketball? Do you remember what age you started and how you were introduced to the game? Yeah, I do. I remember um, I started playing when I was like uh, maybe eight or so, eight or nine. And I kind of, uh, my dad tried to get me into it because he used to play basketball. And my dad is pretty tall. And I kind of, I guess he kind of figured that I might be pretty tall too. So basketball is a pretty good sport for that sort of thing. So he tried to get me into it. And I was kind of so-so about basketball to begin with, I think. Uh, when I was 11, I played um, on like a representative team uh, in Sydney, uh, which I didn't really enjoy, honestly. Like I didn't have the greatest experience there. Um, so I, I kind of just ended up playing locally and with my friends for a couple of years until um, I was 14 years old. And then I started to play. Uh, it was actually funny. I was in um, a stadium in Sydney, the one that I uh, played most of my basketball in, actually. Um, and a, a lady, uh, I, was, I was standing with my mom, and my mom, my mom remembers this very distinctly. A lady walked up to me and she said, wow, you're really tall. Come with me. And so uh, she took me over to um, a desk uh, where they were signing people up for the same program that I'd been in before, the representative one. Um, and she was like, you have to do this. Like, you just have to do it. And I was like, uh, okay, well, I guess, like, and I kind of looked at my mom because she had walked along with me and she was like, you know, like, if you want to do it, like, I, I feel like, at, I feel as though at that stage of my basketball, I was uh, kind of, I needed to take a step forward because, well, the league that I was playing in before, just like locally and playing with friends, wasn't really challenging me uh, enough. Enough, so I kind of took that step and I, I started to play representative. And then, uh, probably at the age of uh, fifteen or sixteen, maybe a year or two later, was when I started to take it really serious. Um, there was a I got accepted into like another a couple of other like development programs. Um, and I started training with, uh, this American coach who played at Syracuse, Derek Brower, um, who really like took an interest in me cause, uh, he was coaching like the, the men's team, the open men's team <clears throat> for that association that I was playing with. And, uh, he kind of like really pushed me and like tried to get me to come to practices and play against guys who were older than me so that they could really like, um, get into me and, and kind of develop me even faster. So. Um, yeah. And then at the age of, uh, maybe 16 or 17, I got involved in, uh, the New South Wales Institute of Sport. Um, and the coach there, Damien Cotter really mm-hmm. developed me in terms of like my shooting and, um, just, uh, like the awareness of the game. And, um, I was fortunate enough at that age to do some traveling with basketball, both around Australia, uh, went to America, like I traveled around Los Angeles and the Carolinas. And then I also went to China once or twice with basketball as well. Um, and then that coach, uh, Damien Cotter in N-Swiss, uh, got me in touch with Fran O'Hanlon. Obviously, I'm sure you know him, uh, Robbie. Uh, and he, uh, <laughs> he, uh, yeah, obviously I started talking with, uh, with Fran and, um, he took an interest in me because, well, obviously because of the information that had been relayed to him through Damien, um, they were really good friends and obviously uh, uh, Fran had a pretty good experience taking on an Australian the year before in, in Dan Trist. So uh, yeah, like uh, that's kind of how I ended up at, at Lafayette. That's a pretty quick synopsis of my basketball growing up. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. yeah so um, by the way, for anyone listening, if, uh, and for you, for you, so are you, you were in Holland right yeah. now? Did you say before? Yeah, correct. Yeah. Holland. So th- yeah, the, uh, 
there's a nine hour difference in the, the feed is kind of cutting in and out. So at certain points, um, it may be difficult. So there are certain things you said that I couldn't quite pick up, but I got the basic, yeah. um, overall. So just for people listening, just keep in mind that it's, uh, we got a long connection here. Yeah. Uh, but that's definitely interesting. So, um, were you always very tall as a, as a kid? How, how tall was your dad? Um, uh, my dad's six foot eight and my mom's six foot one. Um, so, but funnily enough, uh, my sister and I, uh, are both, uh, taller than our parents. I'm six ten, and my mom, my sister is six foot three. So we get a lot of, uh, a lot of looks when we walk down the, walk down the street. <laughs> yeah. It's always really funny when, uh, when we walk into like a restaurant or something like that. Um, because it, like you can look around and almost everybody in the restaurant is looking at us cause we're just towering over everybody. But, um, <laughs> That's yeah, that is, yeah. So yeah, I'm interested about Dantris. So for people who don't know, Dantris is a former Lafayette basketball superstar big man who is also from Sydney, Australia, and is currently playing in Spain. Um, so I read in an article on Lehigh Valley Live that Dan um, was one of the guys who convinced you or wanted you to go to Lafayette. Um, is, is that the case? Um, and kind of how did that happen? Can yeah, describe that definitely. Because uh, the the year before. So like obviously I Dan and I were in the same program in uh, in Sydney um, and New South Wales Institute of Sport and uh, obviously we, we developed a pretty good relationship over our time there um, and so like seeing him uh, like the level of player that he was and seeing him go to Lafayette uh, was obviously pretty important to me and then um, just uh, learning about um, Lafayette through him like. It was uh, it was one thing. It's obviously one thing to hear about a school from the coaches, but um, I feel like inherently they are talking uh, positive things about the school. But um, it's another thing to hear about it from the player's perspective because that's kind of the perspective that you'll be put into. Those are the shoes that you have to fill. So <clears throat> it's uh, yeah, just just hearing from him about how the school was and about how uh how things were at Lafayette I I kind of obviously I chose my school uh for part, partly for basketball but also partly because uh, of Lafayette's good name in academics because I feel like that's an important part of my life and I knew Dan was a pretty smart guy so um to hear that Lafayette was um like challenging him in like in the academics in the academic on the academic side of things as well was uh important for me to hear as well so when you first got to Lafayette, did you did you visit it before you decided to go there, or what was that process yeah, so, like for you? Actually, uh, funny story. My uh, so everyone, well, well, most people, I feel like, do an official visit uh, to the school that to schools that are interested in them, um, and uh, I was no different. Uh, I flew to visit Lafayette. Uh, uh, I knew I signed really late in the signing period. It might have been April or something, but uh, something. It was, I know it was really late. I was the last person in my class to sign, um, and I flew with my sister and my mom to Lafayette. I stayed at the Lafayette Inn, so I got in at nine, and then in, in at night, uh, coach like picked me up and, and drove me to um, the hotel, uh, and then the, in the morning, I, uh, I. I did a tour of the campus with the coaches. They showed me around all the facilities, um, all that kind of stuff. So I got to visit the school. I played, uh, I think I might have, it might have been in the spring. So I think I played pickup with the guys in the afternoon. Um, and, uh, yeah, like 
but the funny part about it was that because of like the rules with, uh, with official visits and stuff like that, I was only allowed to be on campus for 24 hours. Um, so, and the, the school was not allowed to let me stay. Like if I, if I wanted to stay after my visit, I would have to pay for my flight home. Um, so, oh, wow. yeah, so I had to get back on a plane after, uh, after my time in my official visit. So, and, and my mom and sister, uh, obviously, cause they paid for their own flights. Um, they stayed on and like they, they were just like, uh, spending some good time in, in New York city, just like traveling around and seeing things. And I was like 24 hours on the ground and I had to fly back home. Yeah. Which to Australia is like 20, it's like 20, I spent like, I think I spent more hours flying there um, then I did on the ground and then I had to spend those hours also flying home. So it was just crazy. I was so, so out of it when I got home. Yeah. Yeah. That sounds exhausting. Yeah. It was crazy. <laughs> so let's describe if you remember, um, the first year when you went to Lafayette from Australia. Um, so overall, was there kind of a moment where you were you were thinking like, Oh my God, I can't believe I'm here. Was there like a big adjustment, culture shock, cultural change type of moment for you? Um, did you struggle being that far away? What was it like being from Australia to the U S especially in the very beginning of college where for any freshman, it's going to be difficult, but especially for you going from Australia, that's, that's a far away from home. Yeah. Obviously, uh, like that, there's a, a period of adjustment. I feel like, uh, I was really blessed to, um, to have a really good group of friends, uh, my freshman year who lived in the same dorm as me. So it was nice to be able to spend a lot of time with them. Um, and, uh, they kind of made me not miss home so much. I feel like having a good group of people around you definitely makes, um, makes that make helps with that. Um, but I also feel like, uh, that as the general schedule for basketball players, uh, and, and all college athletes, uh, is so busy that, uh, you don't necessarily, I didn't at, at times, like, especially in season, I didn't really have time to miss home. I was just like, I uh, was at class or I was eating or I was playing basketball. Or I was hanging out with friends and like, or I was studying realistically. So apart from, apart from that, I, I, I was so busy that I didn't have that much time, um, to really miss home. But, uh, I feel like that was, that kind of changed it. Once, once season kind of winds down at the end of the year and you're a couple of weeks from going home, then you, I feel like it all kind of hits you and you're like, wow, like I haven't, I haven't seen my mom for like nine months now. And you just like, uh, you really, you really can't wait to get home and just give your mom a hug. But, um, yeah, I, I feel like also, uh, just the general basket, like the sporting culture in America, especially, uh, in terms of, uh, like college and, and university obviously is a lot different in America. It's not, hot, it's not nearly as emphasized in Australia and just seeing how, uh, important, important those sports games were to life, uh, on campus and, uh, to like the general, it, to everyone, like seeing how big love Lehigh was in terms of football and seeing how excited people got for, uh, our, uh, like lovely high games uh, for basketball and um, to see how like everyone kind of got in, got into uh, our team, especially when we made that championship run uh, to make, made it to the Pedro league championship. Our, my freshman year. Um, I feel like that was just, uh, that was really different. I, I feel like uh, that, that really hit me, especially when uh, one of my, I don't know if it was my first or one of my first 
college games. Uh, we played Kentucky, who had won. They won the national championship the year before we played them, and we played them in Rupp Arena, um, and there was like, I don't know, 28,000 people there, and I was like, oh, my goodness. Like, this is so <laughs> – so like, basketball is big in Australia, but it's not like that. Um and just like having, I don't know, they had cheerleaders, they had a dance team, they had like fireworks going off inside the stadium. Like, uh, I had never seen anything like that. And that was like, oh my God, like, I, I'm here. Like, this is college basketball, you know? <laughs> that's, yeah. yeah, that's, it's cool. It's cool to play teams like Kentucky or Villanova. Like, I'm sure for you, I mean, because it's, it's, I mean, you're playing Division One basketball, but the Kentuckys and the Dukes, and that's just, a, it's a different type of, like, it's professional at that level yeah, where is. you guys are more like student athletes. Yeah. And it's just, it's a whole different game. Yeah, it is. <laughs> yeah. And I mean, uh, you kind of see guys like that, uh, especially like a team like Kentucky, they're, they're going there for one year and like they know they're going to the NBA the year after, you know, like I, I played against, I played against a bunch of NBA athletes uh, in college and at Kentucky. Like I, uh, the one that comes to mind in Kentucky was Willie Cauley Stein, obviously, because I had to mark him. Um, but yeah, like, oh, yeah, yeah. How was that? yeah, it was crazy. Uh, I, and Willie, Willie Cauley Stein and uh, man, who's that? Uh, that guy. Who, I think he played for he played for Philly for a while. Uh, he plays for Nerlens Nerlens Noel. Noel. Yeah, Nerlens Noel. Um, yeah, yeah. I just, I remember him being so athletic, like so, just like <laughs> next level athleticism and like those guys that like, obviously per the NCAA, like they, they have to go to class and that kind of stuff, but like, they just know they're going to the NBA next year. So they're not, they're not that all that worried about that side of things. Like they're really just stuck into the basketball side of things. So like you're saying, it's, it's a real professional atmosphere for them. Yeah. So I, I'm interested in when you guys play against these big time teams like Villanova and Kentucky, do you have that feeling of like, I can't believe we're playing against them or do you feel like you're on the same court or does it take a while during the game? Once I feel like, okay, now it's a basketball game. It doesn't feel like you're playing some professional team. What's, what's like, what's the atmosphere or what's the, what's the mindset when you're going into a game like that? And then once you're on the court playing against basically NBA caliber type players. Yeah. Um, well, I mean, that's an interesting question. I feel like going into the game, you prepare for it just like it's any other game. But uh, once you're like sitting courtside or you're on the same court as them, you're like, oh my goodness, like this is the guy that I've seen in all those highlights. Or I've seen like sometimes obviously you watch you watch tape on teams before you play them. And like when you watch tape on a regular team, like um, like regular, um, use like in quotation marks here, like a regular team, like a regular college team, (laughs) you're watching like, you know, like uh, a couple of good moves here and there, like good team play, um, like a couple of threes, like, you know, just like the general play of the team. Like you watch some tape on players too. And they have, usually most players have like decent highlights, but you watch the highlights for these guys and they're just like dunking on people, like making like ridiculous moves look so easy. And, and um, you're like, Oh my goodness. Like I, that's the guy that I'm like, I don't want to be that guy who's on the highlight, who's like on sports in the top 10 at times. So um, that's a little bit daunting, but uh, I feel like once, especially uh, I feel like I played against a number of uh, really big schools. Like we played against um, who we played against. We played against Villanova like two times, maybe three times. We played Kansas. We played uh, West Virginia. We played Stanford. We played USC. Um, 
who else do we play? We play Kentucky, like I said. Um, and I just feel like uh, it really – I feel like the game is won or lost. Uh, and, I, and I say that like uh, the, the game is really won or lost in the first four to eight minutes of the game because if, if you – stick with a team like that and you make a couple of good plays and you keep yourself in the game, uh, you can really make a game of it. But if they just, if they're taking you out of your game and um, like just they're doing crazy things on the basketball court that you couldn't even imagine, um, then I feel like the game is kind of over. And and at that point you're just trying to hang on and make it look respectable. But um, like definitely a couple of times when we play big teams like that, when you're in it at the, at the first or second media timeout, um, at the four or eight minute mark, like you, you can really start to believe in yourself. And, and, um, especially for us, like Lafayette, I feel like we shot the ball exceptionally well. So when we played a team like that and we were on, like we were shooting the ball well, uh, I feel like it was, it would, it was always kind of dangerous, um, for a team like that to play against us because you never really know. Um, they never really knew, like, um, you know, uh, yeah, like it was always kind of, um, we were definitely kind of always in the game once we were, uh, once we kind of got over that hump to start the game, you know? Yeah, so that reminds me of, I want to talk about the 2014 season a little bit. Um, the year that you guys won the Patriot League tournament, I believe you're about, I don't know if you were about a five or a six seed or four, I forget exactly. But you, you won the tournament. Nick Linder, uh, former Lafayette point guard, was phenomenal. It was really exciting. You guys hosted um, the final, uh, the championship game of the Patriot League tournament. Uh, it was, it was just, it was a great game to watch. It was a really fun environment. All of the fans were there. Um, what is it that you remember most of either that season or that tournament? Is there a specific moment, and and what was that like to play in front of the fans? Um, yeah, I mean that. I mean, first of all, I definitely have to talk about the fans, like. I mean, uh, I've seen our arena like pretty packed at times, um, definitely, but especially when it came to obviously the rivalry games and stuff like that, playoff games. Um, but like, I'd never seen anything like that. Like our student section for that game was um, absolutely phenomenal. Uh, like I, I remember running out, uh, to the start of that game and I, like when we were warming up, it was pretty busy, like busier than usual, as you'd expect. Um, but when we ran out like to start the game and to see us like our student section was literally overflowing with people. And as we're running out, like we're hearing everyone cheering and uh, like everyone was jumped, like the stadium felt like it was rocking literally. And um, I just remember having these crazy goosebumps like all over my body. I was like this, I will never ever forget this. And, and we hadn't even played the game yet. Like we hadn't even won the Patriot league championship. Um, so <laughs> Uh, yeah, I, I, I remember thinking that. And I also remember thinking there's absolutely no way we're going to lose this game. Like, I, I don't care what happens. I don't care if we win by two or if we win by 20. I just know that we're not going to, there's no way we're going to win this, we're going to lose this game. So, um, yeah, I, I don't know. I, I think another thing that really sticks out to me in that tournament run was, um, when we played BU, uh, Boston University, because all the way throughout that year, we, we, uh, we had kind of we hadn't necessarily struggled with them, but they had kind of uh, really like uh, stuck it to us like in a in a game or two, and, and made a couple of really close games out of uh, a couple of games during that year. And I remember playing them in the playoffs and being like, "Oh man, like I don't know uh, about this team. Like uh, BU is kind of our Achilles heel in the tournament. Like we in in the general competition, like we haven't necessarily been able to get." 
over this hump too easy. Like, I don't know if we're going to be able to pull this off. And um, then we played them and we absolutely blew them out. Like it was a, it was like a 30 point game in end or something like that. And that's when I, I really felt like, wow, like we, we're really in form right now. Like I just felt like everything was clicking for us. Uh, everything was going right. And we were really hitting our straps at the right time. So I feel like that really put um, a lot of uh, confidence in, in a lot of the guys in our team, uh, especially Nick. Like he played phenomenally that game. So, um, and he, he just had a phenomenal uh, playoff run. Realistically, he was just out of this world. So, yeah. So you talked about those the jitters or the goosebumps before the the championship game at home. If if that was if it was like that for that game, what, what was your thought process for when you played? You were a 16 seed. You played against Villanova in the first round of the March Madness <laughs> tournament. What what basically I, the most thing I'm most interested in is as as an athlete who is as a basketball player who is playing in the tournament, not from watching it from the outside, which I'm sure you you had done for many years if you if you were a college basketball fan, but. What was it like the, the week leading up to it? What was it like with the media attention? And then ultimately, what was it like on the court playing against Villanova in that type of environment? Yeah, I definitely feel like um, like you – I don't know. I feel like you have specific moments in basketball that that are just different. Like you play a game and it's just a game and the game ends and, you know, you might remember it, you might not. Um, and, but there's like specific games that I don't think I'll ever forget. Like, I don't think I'll ever forget playing Kentucky. I'll never forget like a page league championship game. And I'll never forget playing Villanova because it just felt to me, it just felt different. Like it felt, uh, like I was a professional athlete, like, uh, walking to the arena. Like we, we, um, we the, the arena was massive uh it was kind of similar in size to the arena that we played kentucky in uh and uh i think it was it was used to be called the console center i think it's called something different now but um yeah it was like just the like you're saying the media attention like we had a police escort from our from our hotel which wasn't even far from 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 the arena we had like a 10 minute 10 minute uh like police escort to the game and uh, we had like all sorts of facilities ready for us. Um, just, I don't know, the lights felt different. Um, the environment was different. Just the general attention that we got from everyone was, was different. Like these kids are playing in the NCAA tournament. And obviously when you're sitting at, uh, at home on your couch, like watching the games, you're like, wow, like that's an amazing environment. And it really is when, when you're playing there, it's just like, I can't, I don't think I can even describe how, how amazing it is, how surreal it felt to be there after having watched uh, like so, so many March Madness games on television. Like it just, yeah, it was really, really special. So you guys were a 16 seed. No 16 seed has ever beaten a one seed. You had actually almost beaten Lafayette the year before, I believe, in 2013. I think you had about a seven-point lead yeah. or something like that in the second half mm. against Villanova. Yeah. So was, the, was there an actual belief that you guys could win and I'm really curious, what what did Coach Fran O'Hanlon tell you guys before the game, if you remember that at all? Yeah, actually, uh, I remember, uh, obviously, I played in uh, the game in 2013 when we went. We, it was so close. I remember uh, coming down the stretch um, and thinking, like, oh, my God, like, we might actually, we might get this game. Like, if we made, there, there was, like, one or two shots that we took that we could have, if we had made, that would have put us up in the last, like, 
two minutes or minute of the game, uh, and then it would have really been close. Um, but we ended up, it was like, we ended up having to foul them towards the end of the game and um, we couldn't shoot ourselves back into it. But um, yeah, I feel like we definitely felt as though uh, we had a chance against them. And we especially knew that uh, if we shot the ball well, we would be in the game. And um, that's kind of, I mean, that's kind of what we, what we hung our hat on in, in college. Um, and yeah, it was, there was definitely uh, a feeling that we like, uh, I don't know. I feel like when, when team, when people are making their bracket, they look at a 16 and a one seed and they always put the one seed. Um, but I don't know. I, I feel like we almost felt as if we, us and some of our fans, um, were the only people in the country who would really back us and give us a chance. And we were like, well, you know, we, we got to go out there and give it a try. But, um, and I, I feel like coach also approached, uh, approached the game like a little bit differently. I feel like at times, um, he could be, uh, like we, we focused a lot on what we could improve and, uh, what we had done, ba- one done poorly and could do better. But I feel like in the lead up to that game, coach was kind of talking about the things that we had done well. Uh, in the Patriot League Championship and, and in the game that we played before in Villanova. Uh, we watched some like highlights of us playing um, to kind of like get us amped up for the game. Um, and it was like really refreshing. I feel like um, coach was kind of like, well, like uh, we don't necessarily have anything to lose, obviously, um, the game, but we just want to go out there, like enjoy the experience and just play hard and you never really know what happens at the end of the day. So. Well, it was it was a fun year to watch you guys play against them for sure. So I've got a couple more questions about Lafayette. I could talk about this forever, but the podcast would be way too long. Uh, so a couple more here about Lafayette specifically. Um, I, in terms of graduating, were you ready to be done with basketball? I know I talked to Nick Linder. Um, as, as we said, he's a former Lafayette point guard. Uh, and he was done playing basketball, but clearly you are not. When you graduated, were you still thinking, I'm, I want to play in Europe or Australia? Or is this just kind of something that just happened? Yeah. Uh, I mean, uh, I feel like at the end of a four-year collegiate like basketball career, I feel like in a lot of sports, you kind of get a little bit burned out. Um, obviously, it's it's very – taxing on your body and it's very taxing on your mind like you always have to be ready to go you always have to show up to practice not just uh physically but also mentally and you have to be ready to go all the time and um i feel like when my uh college athlete college experience ended in terms of basketball uh i was very ready to just be like okay i don't know like if i want to keep playing uh like i just need to like I, the last, the, like the spring of my senior year, I just really was just relaxed and just enjoyed uh, my time uh, at, at Lafayette because obviously I knew that I was leaving, um, just trying to spend time with friends and then just enjoy the environment that I'm in because college is very different to anything that you'll probably ever experience otherwise in life. Um, so I just really want to soak all of that up. But after maybe a month or a month and a half of a basketball, uh, the two guys I lived with my senior year, Jake Mirren and Mike Coleman, both played club basketball and they played pickup and I uh, would see them going to play. And um, eventually I kind of, I don't know, I kind of got to a point where I was like, man, like I really, I really miss playing basketball. Like I really want to kind of get back into it and um, like go and play some pickup and just have some fun with it. Um, and that's what I did. And, and I kind of, uh, I had a lot of fun with that. 
uh, I was looking at staying in America, uh, staying in and around New York or New Jersey or, or uh, Philly or something like that uh, to to work. Um, but that didn't necessarily work out for me uh, in terms of visa and that kind of thing. So, uh, and then the uh, opportunity came up to continue studying and to keep playing in Ireland. Um, and that's what I did. And I don't know, I feel like uh, playing there and just playing in general, you kind of get to a point where you're like, I don't know if, if I walk away from this, I feel like I'll regret it at this point, at that point of my life, I was like, I feel like I'll regret it. And it's not necessarily something that I can go back and do again. Like if I, if I walked away from basketball after college and I never, uh, really like played, played again in like a proper game. Um, and you kind of fall out of shape and all that kind of stuff. You can't necessarily go back and, and do it again. You, You can't go from working an office job, uh, like nine to five, and then you quit your job and all of a sudden become a professional basketball player. Life doesn't really work like that. Uh, neither does your body. So um, you kind of have to weigh up your, your choices and say, like, look, I, I'm kind of going to ride this until uh, until it goes away. And then, um, you know, I, I, you can always go from basketball to a desk job, and it's, but it's always kind of hard to go the other way around. So that kind of really influenced my decision and made it easy to, tr- to just uh, pursue a professional career. Well, living abroad in uh, in Europe and playing basketball, it's a pretty good post-college life. So I give you a lot of credit yeah, for that and that you've been able to, to find leagues to play. I mean, that seems like a really cool experience. Um, in terms of your basketball career overall, uh, you know, if you played this long, I don't care what team you're on, you go through slumps, sometimes you lose confidence, you might not get playing time. Um, in general, what has helped you kind of get through difficult times in sports or kind of in life in general where you might be struggling, not of confidence or whatever the reason, how, how have you kind of kept going? Um, I don't know. I feel like, uh, the, the one person that I can kind of always talk to in a situation like that is my mom. I feel like she's very positive. She's a very positive person and she always kind of gets me on the right track. But for me, in terms of my mindset, um, you always kind of have to look at the bigger goal. And, uh, for me, like, uh, when I, when I'm not playing, uh, or I'm kind of going through a slump, I kind of have to just go back and, and like, look at why I'm here, you know, what, what I'm really doing. And that applies to college and applies to, uh, like playing here it applies to playing anywhere. Uh, it, it applies to life really in general. It's like, what am I doing? Like, what is a purpose of me being here like what am I really working towards what's the big picture here and um, for me like obviously uh, it's just like getting better in terms of uh, my basketball but there's also other things on top of that like obviously um, living abroad has has allowed me the opportunity to really um, to really like learn to learn another language uh, because I'm trying to learn Dutch while I'm here um, to uh, just like explore some of my passions to get to spend time with friends to make sure that I, that I stay in touch with my family more than I do than I have in the past. Maybe, um, just to really like reconnect with life and, and, uh, just get the most out of, um, being abroad and just enjoy this experience. Uh, and learn, learn as much as I can from everything, basketball, life, uh, anything that I can kind of put my, put my thumb in, just learning the most that I can. And I feel like that kind of overrides, uh, whenever something is going poorly, poorly, uh, it doesn't make me feel so bad about it because, 
I'm like, okay, well, that's only really one aspect of my life, you know. Like, if I'm not playing so well in basketball, I'm like, okay, well, you know, that's only really one aspect of my life, and I can't let it dominate everything. Um, so I just keep working hard, um, you know, head down, and uh, keep working at it, and just enjoy the other aspects that I have going on in my life, you know. Well, yeah, it seems like you keep it in perspective, which is obviously a good thing. Um, in terms of your interests, so you were an econ major, you were a psychology major. I was also a psychology major. Um, clearly, I'm, you know, obviously, I'm interested in talking about that for a second. Um, kind of what drew you to psychology in general, and is it helped your outlook? Whether it's playing sports in college, playing in sports now, um, kind of how has that influenced you or changed your thinking at all um, with your life or in sports in general or in basketball or on the basketball? Yeah, um, I, I kind of got into psychology. Uh, I mean, I don't really know how you got into it, but I, I kind of just, uh, I don't know. I felt like I really liked to know what made people tick and why people do the things that they do. And uh, obviously that is, that is basically the literal definition of psychology. So I feel like I kind of, when I was, when I was first going to like Lafayette in my first year or so, I, I didn't really know the American experience very, the American um, uh, situation very well in terms of uh, classes and, and majors and that kind of stuff. Because in, uh, in Sydney, at least in Australia, um, you you pick your major before you go to school. So you just take all the classes that they require you to because uh, you've already picked your major and then you're just good to go. Whereas obviously Lafayette being a liberal arts school, uh, was a little bit different to that. You can kind of just do anything. Uh, I remember uh, when I signed up for classes my first year, um, I, like, I got my Lafayette email like late and I received an email from someone who said – something to effect of like you haven't signed up for classes yet. Uh, the deadline is in like two days. Uh, you need to sign up for classes. And I was like, Oh, uh, okay. I have no idea what classes I'm supposed to take. And, uh, I also have no idea what I want to do. And so my mom, um, was like, okay, just go on the Lafayette website, uh, and just have a look at the classes that interest you. And so uh, I did that and uh, ended up signing up for – so obviously there's like uh, like 100, 200, 300, 400 level classes at LAF, uh, which obviously kind of generally denote like the order that you're meant to be taking them in. Like 100 level is like freshman, generally like introductory courses, and that's kind of obviously what you would take your freshman year. Um, I think I ended up signing up to like – two 200 level courses and two mm-hmm. 300 level courses. And when I got to, when I got to Lafayette, my advisor, uh, Rosie Bukix was like, literally like what on earth were you on when you signed up for classes? <laughs> and I was like, I have, no, I have no idea what I was supposed to take. And she was like, okay, well, first of all, you're not going to take any of these. And I was like, okay. So I had to go and uh, go to the register and like unsign up for all my classes and re-sign up for all these ones that she recommended for me. But, um, yeah, I don't know. It, it was, it was, it was an interesting time. That's for sure. So, you know, I, I asked you a little bit about, um, you know, slumps or confidence. I don't know if there is, but is there one specific or difficult time where it's in college, whether you've even been after college in basketball, um, whether it's in high school that, 
you either felt like, you know, I'm not playing or you want to quit or you had kind of one moment that you remember of kind of being a down moment in basketball and kind of how you, how you got through that. If you did have that such a moment. Yeah. Um, I, I feel like I've throughout like college, I feel like my playing time has been, well, it's been up and down and I feel like whenever it would kind of slump, I guess is the word that you would use. Uh, I would always just, uh, make sure to really reapply myself. I feel like, uh, for me playing here, um, my playing time again has kind of been up and down and, uh, it like, I think that at times you have to realize that sometimes there's things beyond basketball, which affect, uh, like whether or not you're going to play. Obviously there's, there's a lot of things which go into, um, like the players that are put out on, on the court for any given game. Um, but, uh, the, I think the thing that gets me through, uh, slumps is just the fact that, uh, I know for myself that I'm working hard and if I'm working hard, then I've done my, my part of the deal is done. Like I have done everything that I can. There's no point in trying to control people or things that are going on around me that I can't really control. So I just do my part. I work hard uh, in practice and outside of practice. I represent um, the club or the college the best way that I can uh, put my best foot forward. And then whatever happens beyond that is kind of beyond my control. I just, I do the best that I can. And then, uh, from whatever happens from then is what happens, you know? Yeah, absolutely. So if, if anyone's played sports, I think there are times in the games where you feel stressed or feel pressure, whether it's a big moment, whether it's just inbounding a ball and, and it's almost a five-second violation or being pressured or double teamed or mm. whatever the reason. At some point, you're going to feel stressed. You're going to feel pressure. Yeah. Um, do you utilize any sort of um, – things that help you deal with that pressure or stress during game, um, whether it's, you know, taking a deep breath, whether it's visualizing success, whether you're at the free throw line, you have a certain routine or you imagine the ball going in. Um, are there certain things that you do, or maybe you think confidently or, or just talk to yourself or what, what it may be. Are there certain things you do that kind of help you, um, stay confident or stay calm in the court and kind of stressful moments or mm-hmm. times where you may not be playing well. Yeah, I feel like, uh, like you were talking before, obviously, um, like being a psychology major kind of helps with that. And especially I took a class my senior year in sports psychology and, um, that really helped me in terms of, uh, there had been some things that I, that I do or I did, uh, and I didn't necessarily fit. I didn't know whether they worked or not. I just kind of did them and taking, uh, that class kind of affirmed to me that there are other people who do similar things that I do. Like you, like you were saying, uh, just kind of visualizing success. Like I, uh, especially when you go into a big game, I kind of just, uh, I like to visualize, um, myself and our team, like being happy after the game and, and, uh, excited about a win and like all that kind of thing. Like visualization is very big for me. And I also feel like, uh, when I like, like you're saying, when I'm on the free throw line, I like free throw line. I just kind of like to, uh, imagine just like complete calmness, uh, going on around me and just kind of drawing everything out and just like focus completely on the, on the basket. Um, and when things go bad for me, I kind of, um, I have a little like mnemonic that I say in my head, just telling my, telling me to get the next one, like get the next one. Like, don't worry about, 
whatever just happened, like whatever happened, happened, and you can't really take that back. All you can really control is uh, what's happening next. So just making sure that I keep moving forward and focus on what's in front of me rather than focusing on the mistakes that I made in the past. So, yeah. Do, do you think your th- your thoughts about the game, your, your basketball IQ or your approach to the game has changed from high school to college and now to the professional level? Oh, definitely. Uh, I would say that uh, when you're going through high school, obviously you kind of just – I feel like you're trying to find yourself and uh, you're kind of just trying to establish a routine um, and know what works for you. So some people obviously – they have like little ticks that they do before the game and um, everyone likes to move in their certain way. You know, like some people uh, put their headphones on and don't want to talk to anyone. Some people are really lively. Uh, some people are like uh, very calm and uh, you kind of learn how to read people and you kind of learn uh, what your place is in, in the, in the team that you're working in and, and kind of how, what you do fits into everything else. Uh, um yeah, how just how, yeah, definitely how you how what you do fits into everything else, and just kind of the routine that you have before every game in terms of getting ready. So I know I kind of like to go out there and, and uh, early before for uh, the guards come out and start shooting jump shots. I like to do some stuff around the basket, um, really work myself work my work on my touch and work myself um, into the game a little bit, uh, and because I feel like it's kind of a little bit tougher to do that once everyone's shooting jump shots around you and there's balls flying everywhere. Um, and, uh, yeah, I feel like the other thing that I probably do, um, which is a little bit weird is, uh, when I, when I, when I take my socks out of, out of the drawer, um, I just put them on however they come out. So sometimes, um, you'll see me playing and like, I'll have two socks on that are inside out or I'll have like the wrong sock on the wrong foot <laughs> or stuff like that. And like, it never, That's it never really worries me. The only time it worries me is like, if I have to, if, if I feel like if I, if I change them, if I like turned one the right way out or I put, make sure I put them on the right foot, like then that would worry me. But like sometimes like I just put on whatever comes out and like, just leave it at that. So, yeah. <laughs> that's yeah. fine yeah. i got a few more questions for you <laughs> thanks thanks for taking the time again um so yeah a couple more here so you've played on a lot of teams with different teammates in different coaches and in four different countries um a lot of different cultures a lot of different people a lot of different languages happening there have you found a common thread among the teams that were successful and the teams that were not successful um about their interactions between the players and the coaches um, the coaching style, uh, practice, whether teammates supportive or not, or how intense it was. Um, have you kind of found things that have worked? So I think you have an interesting perspective playing in so many different places um, with, with different types of people. And, and I think you've been able, you've probably been on teams that have won and have not won and kind of seen what worked. Do you, have you found a pattern with that, whether it's coaching style or teammates or um, anything else? Yeah, I think uh, obviously having a good coach helps. Uh and having good uh, a good group of basketball players helps. I feel like the most important thing for a team, uh, and the thing that I would uh, definitely connect with the successful teams that I've been on, is um, players being held accountable for their actions, and leaders who lead from the front. And so, I, uh, so in those things, I mean, um, like someone does something wrong, and 
Um, they're told that they do, they're doing that wrong and they're told what they should be doing instead. And so you're learning, uh, from your mistakes and, and you get better from them. Uh, the other thing is obviously, um, leaders who lead from the front. So I'd say my, uh, my freshman year, um, I had, uh, one of our seniors, Tony Johnson, who also played actually professionally in Holland for a year, like five years ago or something like that. Um, he, really drove us as a team and, and every, every practice he's talking, every game, uh, he's 100% into it. Um, and, uh, he's really like driving us. Like he, he's not only talking the talk, he's walking the walk and he's like, okay, like, uh, this is what we need to do as a collective to be better. And you can see what I'm doing. Like I'm working hard. Um, like you guys should be too. And the same goes for my junior year. We won the Patriot League Championship. Like the group of seniors that we had on that team really drove us. And uh, I feel like they can be partly attributed to Nick's success in that like he was already a driven enough person, but to have their drive behind him as well, like really propelled him. And they really propelled the whole group because um, they just had, they, they just really wanted to win. A, like a Patriot League championship. They really just need, they needed to win one. And, um, I feel like the group kind of latches onto that. You can kind of see, um, not only are, uh, the best players on our team and like the leaders on our team, um, really vocal and they're saying, look, like, uh, this is what we're doing and, uh, this is what we should be doing. But like, you can see us working, like watch us work and see how hard we're working. You should be working just as hard as us. Like they're not only telling you what to do, but they're showing you what to do. And I feel like that's a very common thing between teams that are successful. I, I definitely feel like having a, having a leader or leaders that lead from the front definitely helps to create a, a group and push the group to, to success. Yeah, absolutely. I, I agree hundred percent. And you see, so you seem to have thoughts about this. I see you've had coaching, you've had experience coaching kids in the past on your LinkedIn. It says you love to inspire others to enjoy the game. Are you still involved with coaching or basketball in a way besides playing? Or if not, do you want to pursue that at all in the future? Yeah, I definitely, uh, I, the, the club that we're in kind of, uh, they run, uh, like kids clinics, uh, every couple of weeks I end up, uh, coaching a kids clinic, uh, which is kind of interesting because, uh, we usually go with a player on our team who speaks fluent Dutch. So they basically give the clinic and you're kind of just there helping. Um, but I don't know. I, I kind of, I definitely, uh, really enjoy that part of the game. Just seeing, uh, I think that that's one of the most rewarding things, just teaching someone a concept and watching them do something that they couldn't do before, but can do now. And just watching that, that, uh, that enjoyment on like, especially on a kid's face, uh, when like they they can do something that they couldn't do before and they're just so excited about it. Uh, I, I think that that's one of the greatest things. And, uh, I, I don't know, honestly, I feel like with my, I don't necessarily know if I would go into coaching, but I feel like I would definitely really enjoy just being involved in player development and, um, helping, uh, just helping players get better. I feel like a lot of the coaching that I've had over the years has been, uh, individualized and like small group and just like putting players through like a similar thing just to help them get better, to help them, uh, take basketball to the level that I have or further and just enjoy it as much as I have would definitely be very rewarding to me going forward. 
Yeah, so it relates to that. Um, but I, I was kind of curious about future plans if you had thought about it. Um, in terms of basketball, are you just going to play until you can't play any longer? Or you, do you? I know you have other interests such as psychology and business. It seems like you like working with kids and coaching. Um, do you have any ideas for the future? Just take it one day at a time. Um, I, I feel like I'm kind of taking it one day at a time. I, uh, I feel like... For me, right now, basketball is kind of a uh, obviously uh, it's my career right now, um, but it's also a tool for me to be able to um, travel and explore new things. And I'm going to keep doing that until uh, until there's something else which uh, which I'd rather do. Like if basketball uh, isn't giving me the same enjoy- enjoyment um, as it is currently, then uh, going forward, then I'll probably move on to something else. I don't know whether necessarily um, that would be coaching. I feel like coaching is something that I would be involved in. I don't necessarily know if that would be my career, um, but uh, I would definitely like maybe move into something with like business and then also, uh, you know, help kids some, some way with basketball on the side, uh, something like that somewhere in my future, whether that's in the next couple of years or in five 10 years time. Like I don't necessarily know that, but yeah, I guess in that sense, I'm taking it one day at a time, but uh, like I do kind of have a feel for where I would like to go in the future. So last question I I've got for you here. So from a person uh, who is close to you, they told me to ask you this question. (laughs) (laughs) Um, They, they they told me to ask you of how you became the social media queen. (laughs) Um, uh, um, I don't need, I don't know how to answer that question. I feel like, uh, boy, um, I I feel like at school and in life I have really stood out. Uh, not only obviously I'm six foot ten, so I stand out physically. I feel like I'm a pretty loud and outgoing person, generally speaking. So people kind of know who I am, and um, I feel like I'm also very amiable, like. I get along with people really easily and I like to talk to people just to have a conversation. Um, and I think people really, uh, enjoy that. And obviously at college I stood out because I was Australian. Obviously I was six ten, but I was a six foot 10 Australian. Like I'm basically impossible to miss. So people, most people, like people know who I am. Not that I'm necessarily like a celebrity, but people know who I am. And I feel like in that, way like and through engaging with people people are kind of interested in what i'm doing and so i guess like maybe that translates to like people being interested in my life on social media i guess i I can only really guess at these things but um yeah (laughs) wow that that question kind of threw me off but uh, yeah i guess that that's the best it's the best (laughs) answer that i can give you yeah that's the best answer that i can give you i have a i have an interesting life i have an interesting life i don't know maybe that's it (laughs) (laughs) um any anything anything else you want to add that i didn't Um, ask you about no not necessarily Uh, thanks so much for having me i I really appreciate talking to you robbie it's always nice to catch up yeah it was great catching up with you as well thanks so much for being on the podcast i appreciate it it was longer than i intended but that's because there are a lot of interesting (laughs) things to discuss so thanks so much and good luck with the rest of your season thanks so much all right well if you enjoyed the podcast this is just one of many episodes to come I plan to have on more athletes, broadcasters, coaches, or anyone else who has an interesting story to tell. 
Feel free to mo- follow me on Twitter at Robbie McKittrick for the latest podcast information, or you can visit my sports blog, robbiemckittrick.blogspot.com. And don't forget to follow Nate Musters, the social media queen, on all of your social media, whether it's, I'm sure he has Instagram, Twitter, and all the like. Nate, thanks again so much for, for being yeah, here. No worries. Thanks so much, Robbie. All the best. All right. And thanks so much for listening, everyone.